what Christ did is totally different than what any other person. There's been lots of people who have been martyred and who have willingly went to their deaths and, and willingly been submitted to torture. But what Christ did was very different than what any other person did. We are Saints in the South, your source for gospel growth and good times. Hi, welcome everyone. Episode 138. We are Saints in the South coming to you again. And you might notice uh, we got a little different format going here. We uh, checking out this stream yard. Yes. Yeah. Y'all like this stream yard a little bit? Stream yard. I like it. So far, yeah. uh, it yeah, seems so far superior to Zoom. That's right. Very, we'll uh, see. Yes, very yeah, we'll see. Professional. Very good. Look, we're, we're stepping and, up. We're, yeah. Except for Mark's Wi Fi. Yeah. Hey, what up? You know, I mean, somebody come help me. You can send the check to, uh, no. <laughs> I do live a little more out in the woods. Well, I, I can't say that. Jackson's in the woods. Yeah. He's a little in the woods. That's right. Kenny's we a all. city boy. <laughs> <laughs> city smicker. All right. Well, hey, uh, yeah. So we are in Isaiah uh, chapters 50 to 57. And the title of it is He Hath Borne Our Griefs. And carried our sorrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were uh, we were kind of joking around here uh, for a little bit. Uh, you know, we 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 went pretty heavy on praising the Lord and everything at the end of last week's podcast, and we can kind of carry that on into yeah. into this one right uh, right here. So yeah, yeah what y'all uh, what y'all what y'all got for uh, for these chapters? I mean, just you can jump right into chapter fifty, verse one. <laughs> Um, I mean, just, we just hit it right on the nail, right on the head of the nail here. Um, but, uh, in, in chapter 50, verse one, thus saith, I've always found this, always wanted to understand this, you know, right, yeah. about, thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? Whom have I put away or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? And I've always been like, like, what exactly is he yeah, talking well, yeah. about here? You right. know? And, and in a nutshell, I mean, there's a there's a long uh, exp, exp, explanation I'm trying to speak here um, under Mosaic law. A man who divorced his wife was required to give her a written bill of divorcement. That's just the way it was supposed to be. It's much like today. You know, uh, she was then free to marry again. Once that bill of divorcement went through, you know, the papers go through everything signed. And, it's uh, you know, likewise, under the ancient law, a man could sell himself or his children into slavery to satisfy his creditors. So that's just giving a little insight of divorcement and slavery back then creditors, you know, that's given that. So this is, this is why Isaiah says this, um, the Lord had no creditors. Okay. Uh, neither had he divorced his wife quotations, Israel. Okay. Instead, Israel had separated herself from the Lord by her sins as, and was in debt to her evil creditors. For your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. That's in Isaiah 50, verse 1. The Lord has power, though, to both redeem Israel from their creditors uh, and to forgive their transgressions against him. Uh, This he assured them he would do. So in other words, the Lord has not divorced Israel and never has and never will, right? Um, even though they've cheated on him, I mean, this, you know, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, and then also the creditors, he hasn't sold them into slavery. They've put themselves into slavery 
and now they have creditors they have to answer to. But because, you know, like Isaiah saying, thus say the Lord, where is your, your divorcement? Where, you know, or which of my creditors is it to you who am sold? In other words, he hasn't done that. I haven't done that to you. You did that to you, but he still stands by her today, stands by Israel today and will continue to stand by her. And, uh, and because of his atonement and everything, everything will be worked out the way it should. So it makes a lot more sense to me now when I read that, I was like, why, why is he just mentioning, first of all, your mother's divorcement, you know, and, and all these things, Isaiah had a very interesting way yeah 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 so you just got to dig through that sometimes and figure it out but yeah i I really like um especially on the the, on the creditor side um yeah how how, how you explain that uh you know in order to get out of the debt right they they had to sell themselves or sell their children into slavery uh right so they they lose their freedom right and that's really what happens to us when we leave the lord you know we 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 feel like we we think we're free but we're only binding ourselves more exactly. and more. So I, I really like that. So definitely it's a freedom and obedience to God. It's one of those things that seems counterintuitive to some people. Yeah. You know, but uh, it really is what there's something that was interesting to me. I want to um, get your thoughts on this. So as, as he goes forward, Isaiah obviously is, is speaking as Christ and he says, the Lord God, had, uh, verse five, the Lord God, God hath opened mine ear and I was, rebe- uh, excuse me, I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. And then it goes on to verse seven, the Lord God will help me. Verse eight. And so as he's speaking as Christ and as he's hmm. going forward, he's actually, okay, vo- verse six. Okay. Verse six is actually a, a really big one where he goes very specific. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That verse is really, really like very deep. That That's one of the most got to be one of the most detailed prophecies ever recorded. And it's interesting to me because it's written in past tense. And what do you make it, of that? Hmm. hmm interesting. Well, I, yeah, here's a thought. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Who, Jackson? Did you have something, Jackson? No, I thought I thought you were starting. Uh, I, 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 I was going to say the thing that it brings up to me as you say these words, um, and, and as as Isaiah does this, as he does it, Isaiah obviously a prophet of God. Uh, what makes a prophet of God? He's a special witness of Jesus Christ. He, to me, the more I read about Isaiah, the more I realize how intimately close and In personal tune, he was yeah. to the Savior. I yeah. think, actually, I almost want to say I know because of how I feel when I read this. I think that Isaiah walked with the Savior. I think the Savior appeared to him many times, explained mm-hmm. in detail, perhaps given gave him visions of obviously the future, exactly how things were going to go. I think he was very, very, very well informed and given much insight as to what was going to happen to Christ, how he was going to be treated. Also, of course, the latter days, and which is why I think this is in past tense and, and, you know, almost as if this has already happened type thing for Isaiah, it has sort of happened because he's probably seen it. Also, the atonement was in effect in the pre-existence. So 
-hmm. it already has power over us before Jesus ever was born. Um, it's almost as if it had already happened anyway. I mean, it was gonna happen. That's how sure this was, you know, it's how, you know, any, we talked a little bit about that last time, about how, how Jesus Christ is and what kind of person he is. Um, I don't know, but the, but as you mentioned these things and as we read these things, I just, ha I got that feeling that Isaiah was so intimately connected and close to the savior. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Try a little thought, a little, uh, really quick, uh, just a little fun thought experiment because, something that popped in my mind was with Christ being the second member of the Godhead, you know, God, the father, Jesus Christ and the Holy ghost. He, when he, when he was born into this world, he, he stepped out of the celestial glory into, into the, the celestial world where time operates differently time and space mm -hmm. we know and we don't know the details of how it works but we know that time and space operate differently for us from our perspective than from god's perspective and it kind of made me wonder as i was reading this if if christ was speaking in the past tense because for him could this have been in the past tense could he be in a state to where he already knows the beginning from the end as if it's already happened is if you know it, because things we, when we do know that I think it was the prophet Joseph Smith that taught that everything that was that's created physically was first created spiritually. spiritually. Basically, everything was created in the mind of God as a thought before it was created. You know, with with a physical essence. And it kind of made me wonder if this whole if the whole plan of salvation was was already created as a thought and in a sense was already completely created before it had a physical manifestation. That's some that's some deep thinking right there. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. it makes me just I mean yeah, it's a, it's I like that thought experiment, but it kind of made me wonder as I was like, why is Christ speaking in past tense? And then you know, my little gears started turning as a kind of you know, and of course I don't know for sure. Somebody that's more knowledgeable yeah. than me could probably set us straight if they're listening right now. Well, <laughs> I uh that makes me think of the hymn if I could hide a collab. Yes, yeah, you know, that I mean that 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 kind One of my conversation. That's right, my favorite yeah, hymns, yes. You know, something that supports your theory here, Kenny, is uh, Ether chapter 3, verse 25, with the brother of Jared. It says, that when, and this is when the Lord touched the stones in front of the brother of Jared and all these things. Mm -hmm. And this is Jesus Christ, you know, in his pre-mortal form. You know, he hadn't been born yet. Um, but Jesus Christ, you know, and of course, he showed himself to the brother of Jared because of brother Jared's faith, etc. cetera. Uh, in verse 25 of Ether chapter 3, he says this. He says, and when the Lord had said these words, he showed unto the brother of Jared, all the inhabitants of the earth, which had been, and also all that would be. And he withheld them not from his sight, even unto the ends of the earth. Um, mm. It goes on to talk about everything that the Lord shown, showed unto Jared, the brother of Jared, things that he could not say, things that had to be sealed up. As a matter of fact, that could be part of the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, some have said. Um, so he did not withhold anything from the brother of Jared at that time. Who's to say Isaiah also was given all of that, yeah, like you're saying, seeing yeah. everything, you know, it, like you say, everything was already done spiritually. It's just like building a house. Yeah. You can see house plans. Yeah. Right? You, know, you can see your renditions and drawings and then you can see that house before it's physically there. Um, yeah. So once, know, it, once, uh, yeah, like once any building is, is already, right. you know, once the, it's already been drafted and all the plans have been, it's basically the, the building is completed as far as the idea of it. Then it's just a matter of physically 
putting it together. You know, yeah. so and, and, at this point, the atonement had essentially, I mean, it possibly, and like I said, I, I don't know this, I'm not speaking doctrinally, but you know, it's just my own fun speculation. Well, the, the entire, the atonement has been done at this point, even yeah. though it's before Christ was even born, right. the atonement has been effect. done. And even as yeah. is in that the plan has already been set forth. The blueprints have already been drawn up for all of it. So it, in exist in essence, the atonement already existed. Well, it just had even, not been physically put together yet. Yes. Even even if you want to just take away the visual aspect of it, if it's not like a play that's played out before Isaiah, it could be in written form. It could be all the notes that were taken as we were up in heaven during that grand council that he knows all the notes and he sees everything and he sees all that's going to happen to Christ, how he's going to be tortured, how he's going to be this, how he's going to be that. He just knows. However it is, he knows it's like we said, it's 700 years or so, or a little more than that, I think, before Christ was even born. Mm. So, you know, he did not live on the earth the same time as Christ. So how did he know these things? And and obviously he's a he's a he's a prophet. He, he you know, he was given that power. The Lord allowed him to do it just as he allowed the brother of Jared to see certain things. And so, that you know, this, this is prophets, man. This is the power of prophets and you know, the power of the Lord through his prophets, working through his prophets to give us what we need. So that could you imagine not having because these writings are in the Book of Mormon as well, not just the Bible about Isaiah, but some of the most vivid things that we have of Jesus Christ and his suffering comes from Isaiah. So mm -hmm. there's absolutely a purpose to this. It wasn't just because Isaiah was cool and the Lord just wanted to show him, yeah. you know, hey, I just think you're special and I'm going to let you. This was for us. You know, this is for us to have in the latter days. Yeah. So. And it was just it was interesting to me why it didn't say and he will give his back to the smiters right. and his cheek to them that will pluck off the hairs. You know, it's it's written in past tense. It was just like I, said, I, mean, it kind I of think, got I my think gears it, thinking a little bit. I think you hit the nail on the head by saying yeah. that this thing was in full force. Yeah. He did not want to speak of the atonement as if it was something going to happen in the future. It was something that's already happened. And that, you know, which is yep. just mind boggling to me, you know, to think that, you know, because he hadn't even born yet, but it, it's yep. done. It's in full effect, full power, ready to go. And it, anyway, so that, yeah, yep. it's amazing. It's amazing. So here's, here's something that I've, that I've thought about. Uh, so we know that, that Christ faced temptation, like, you know, like, like, uh, like everyone else. Uh, I think we're, we only specifically are told that he, you know, was tempted of the, of, of the devil. Well, you know, when he was fasting, right. Mm -hmm. He was uh, tempted to throw himself off the cliff, tempted to turn the rock to bread. And then he was right. tempted. What, what was the third one? Um, uh, uh, the, well, the other one was to give him the world, basically give him okay, everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 That was uh, the last one. You know. Yeah. Kind fall down and worship him. And yeah. We yeah. Offer him the world. Even, that's right. Exactly. So, and we, we also know that while he was in the garden of Gethsemane, right? So he prayed and asked God, if there was any other way mm -hmm. that, that this could be accomplished, you know, please let that be, you know? And then of course, if not that, you know, that, that will be done. So, my my thought is knowing how knowing how tempting uh power is to people when, when they mm -hmm. grab power and uh and take hold of it and then they just want more and more and the more they get the more they want yeah. and Christ in his position knowing his power and them beating him taking him in and everything i'm just curious and i wonder 
you know, how, how much, how much of a temptation, how much of a struggle was, was any of that even, even there to be able to use his powers to get out of, of all of that, 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 that he was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, know, it, so, I mean, it's just, it's it just, just, I think it had that, to be, uh, I think it was, I mean, my personal, yeah. of course, you know, I, we won't know until, uh, until we see him face to face, we can ask him, but uh, I, I personally believe it was because, I think I've said before that to me is one of the things that the most powerful parts of the atonement for me personally is to know that what Christ did is totally different than what any other person. There's been lots of people who have been martyred and who have willingly went to their deaths and, and willingly been submitted to torture. But what Christ did was very different than what any other person did. One of the reasons is because there was never a point of no turning back for him. There was never a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to step off and this is it. You know, it's like at any moment he knew he he had to know at any moment he could have called down legions of angels and just smitten everyone, you know, (laughs) Roman soldiers could have been just flattened. And I mean, and and I can't imagine that being more of a temptation than anything else he could have faced because when you are, you know, because he was, fully 100% divine and fully human at the same time. And so as being fully human, he would, any of us, if you're in that position where you're, where you're being tortured, you know, you're, you're being subjected to physical pain beyond anything you can imagine, you know, your body is going to be screaming out to do anything it can to get out of. Right. And so I can only imagine that he would have faced that same temptation and would have had to willingly make the choice to know I'm, I'm going to keep going. And it so, wasn't, you know, it wasn't a one-time thing. It was every second, every right. single second he had to keep making Everything. that decision. I'm not mm-hmm. going to stop this. I'm going to keep going forward. Or I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to allow this to happen. And that, so, that's what gets me choked up. <laughs> I, I think yeah. of the, I think of the lesson from Boyd K. Packard, true doctrine changes attitude and behavior. True doctrine understood. I'm sorry. That's an important yeah. word to throw in there. True doctrine understood changes attitude. And behavior. I think Jesus Christ understood the doctrine close to perfectly yes uh you know yeah you people can make the argument he was well he was more of a divine being sure he was sure he was but the but the agency was yeah, still, still there the, more, yeah that's he right still had the agency someone said this and i've never thought about it this way but jesus christ was the perfect example of honoring agency yes and satan he had to have his agency the, or the, the atonement couldn't have worked it right. could not have worked otherwise. Absolutely. Had a, and, and, and Satan is the perfect example of of basically not using your agency properly. Yeah. Um, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, Jesus Christ understood his mission. I like to think that he maybe got a full grasp of his mission probably after he was baptized. It really come on him even stronger because we know he grew up. I think even Isaiah talks about him as a tender plant or something where did i see that at is that in this i can't remember where i read that but he he grew up you know he had to line upon line precept upon precept he had to learn these things but he you know once he got baptized the holy ghost came down and all these things he he got a really good grasp which is why i think he went out to fast for 40 days and 40 nights because he knew the magnitude was hitting him he's like whoa this i've got something big to do here he already knew part of it and and you know i don't know we won't really know till we get to talk right. to him you know and, and know everything but yeah as far as just answering the question yeah he had agency he could he have backed out at any time absolutely one thing we forget about 
is if, if, if I'll say this just as a side note, if you want to learn and try to learn as much as you can about that, just think of the Abraham Isaac story and, and sort of glean from that what happened there. But but that also brings up the point is that not only Jesus's agency was exercised here, but Heavenly Father's agency was exercised here as well. Um, let me let me say this. This goes with Isaiah 53, verse 10. A very interesting way of putting this and can be very, very easily uh, misinterpreted. Misinterpreted, yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased, pleased the Lord to bruise him. And when we say Lord here, we're, we're pretty much talking about Heavenly Father in this instance. Yes. Uh, you hardly ever see that, but it's it sort of, you'll see in a minute. It, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Uh, he hath put him to grief. Uh, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, the best way I could do this is just to read what Mark Melvin J. Ballard said. He said, um, he said this, he said, the atonement met the strictest demands of God's innate justice and made forgiveness and mercy possible on certain terms. Obviously, God was not pleased with the way Jesus was treated, but he was pleased with his son's offering for sin. He was pleased that Jesus was was doing what he promised to do, right? That's what he was pleased with. Marvin J. Ballard said this, and I, I love this. In that hour, I think I can see our dear father behind the veil looking upon these dying struggles until even he could not endure it any longer. And like the mother who bids farewell to her dying child has to be taken out of the room so as not to look upon the last struggles. So he bowed his head and hid in some part of his universe, his great heart almost breaking for the love that he had for his son. Oh, in that moment when he might have saved his son, I thank him and praise him that he did not fail us. And he's talking about Heavenly Father here. For he had not only the love of his son in mind, but he had the love for us in mind. I rejoice that he did not interfere and that his love for us made it possible for him to endure, to look upon the sufferings of his son and gave him finally to us, our Savior and Redeemer. Um, I love that because it really Absolutely. speaks from, from Heavenly Father's point of view and perspective. Now that, you obviously what Jesus Christ did was extremely difficult. I couldn't imagine myself going through that. But if you were to say, how about my son or daughter going through that? That to me, another level, I would, as a father, I would probably go just take me, take me, leave them alone. You know what I mean? So I can't yeah. imagine the restraint. We talked about restraint last time, how much great restraint the savior had and how much restraint did the father have? You know, I mean, he, but like I say, true doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior. It took truly understood doctrine to get through this to yeah. know what really had to happen here and then to see the bigger picture that everything's going to be a-okay after this but man how difficult during that moment you know have, have you ever seen the movie the shack uh i may have if i'm thinking of the right one the guy the guy have, that has has the experience where he meets god oh yeah, meets, yeah yeah in the cabin in the woods or something yes like in the, the cabin or, yeah the scene in the cave that reminds me of the scene in the cave if anybody's listening they have not seen this movie man i highly recommend it it is such man i i i lost count of how many times I, I bawled my eyes out watching that movie it's so good it really but there's a scene in the in the cave there's there's where you know as it builds up toward the end 
where you know he's angry at God because he he feels like you know how could God let this thing happen and blah blah blah, and so God basically teaches him a lesson about you know what it's like to be in his position you know and he's like look at your children you know this one's done this which which one which one which one are you going to let die right now and he's like well yeah. I'm not going to do that no 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 and yeah. and you know and it's that's a whole I don't want to spoil it but it's 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 a great scene and it gives me chills and. I think it's also important to note when when we see you know, his pleasure, you know, we in our modern English, you know, the word pleasure is, you know, we associate with with happiness and joy and things that feel good. But, you know, in in older times, especially when one was talking about, you know, the king's pleasure or the queen's, if it pleasure the king. That way, it doesn't mean necessarily if it's going to make you happy. It's like if this be your will. It's like you know, if if this is what you will allow, or if this is what you wish, you know, you you think should happen, you know. And so right. that so the word pleasure isn't necessarily to be interpreted the same way that we think of it, you know, in our modern yeah. vernacular. And I've never, I've I don't think I've ever even considered that deeply heavenly father's point of view in watching watching jesus christ go through all that uh yeah i, I love that quote yeah scripture gems podcast read that same quote yeah it, got me, it hit me hard I was that's like, a good one gosh. yeah for yeah. sure yeah. i mean i so the the uh last week um amanda was telling me about uh and i wasn't home at the time but she was telling me over the phone about brayley who's my youngest daughter uh just a small little little gymnastics injury, nothing major, just something, something real small, you know, it wasn't even that big a deal, but I almost could, I, I couldn't wait to get home quick enough to go in there and check on her, you know, and see if, you know, see how, see how she was, you know, and massage the injury a little bit or what have, what have, you know, I just, I, it, I couldn't wait to, to get home and just check on her. So that, I mean, that, that really hits home uh, with heavenly father having to knowing, knowing that in order to save all of his children, he had to allow the one to experience yeah. that and, and, and be sacrificed. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you know, we talked a little bit at the end of the last podcast about his great restraint, uh, talking about of Jesus Christ, um, his willingness to go through with it. Yeah. He asked the question. I think that was the human side coming out a little bit, you know, because, but he also, you can also say it was his divine side as well, because he knows the father is all powerful. It wasn't that yeah. one thing we have to make remember is that he wasn't asking to get out of it. He, he was just asking, right. is there a different way? Exactly. Whatever that is. I mean, he was already willing to do what he was doing at the moment, but why not ask? And I've always thought about hey, it. Don't ever hurt to ask, right? It I never mean, hurt. It don't don't never hurt to ask. To ask. And, and I can tell you this: Heavenly Father's not mad when we ask. Okay, right. I mean, the Heavenly Father didn't send a lightning bolt down to him. Said, "Hey, you need to keep your mouth shut. You need to keep doing this." Yeah, you know he did. All of his become extremely disappointed. Right. Exactly. Him, right? Yeah. yeah. And the thing I love is that Jesus really answered his own question. Honestly, he he, yeah. he said, "You know, if there's any other way, you know, let this cup pass before me. But if it's your will." I'm ready to go. Yep. Nevertheless, you know what I mean? my, my will but none be done. I think exactly. that illustrates that so, that story is a perfect illustration of the absolute perfect harmony yeah. of the will between the, the, the three members of the Godhead, you know, and that we, we understand that they are, it's not three different 
manifestations of the same being. These are three distinct beings that are one in will that are so perfectly aligned in their will that, you know, Christ, obviously he wasn't, like you said, he wasn't trying to get out of it. He wasn't like, hold on, wait a minute, father, this, this yeah. is too much. I, 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 I don't think this. I'm, I, I think I changed my mind about this whole savior thing. You know, right. he was saying like this, this, this thing that I, I, I want to, I'm willing to do this thing, but this moment, what I'm going through is, and it was, I mean, it's, beyond anything any human being could possibly imagine like in the garden of Gethsemane, we can't even, it's incomprehensible. I don't think I I've thought about it. And I really believe if any single human being could ever have all of the sorrows of your entire life, all of the guilt of everything you've done hit you at one time, it would be more than any human being could handle. I mean, everything, if you're, that's just one lifetime, one person, one lifetime, Christ took upon himself that, Every single human being who had ever lived and ever will live, every single billions upon billions upon billions of lifetimes of 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 pain, of regret, of of sadness, of agony, of misery, all of it, and it's incomprehensible. And yeah, he yeah, of course he buckled. You know any, <laughs> it's but he he did it. You know nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. If this is the way it has yeah. to do, then this is what I'm going to do. And you know, it, yeah. it just blows my mind. You know, Jesus Christ was acquainted we're, with, you know, we're praising the Lord he, again. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's hard not to do that. <laughs> it's hard not to, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, he, he was so acquainted. Isaiah says it. He says he was so well acquainted with grief and sorrow. And, and it's just so interesting to me how, peace full of peace he was how full of joy he was and happiness and reaching out to others and and then you start to put that together and go maybe that was the reason is because he looked outward instead of inward you know that's the reason he had the peace even though he's so well acquainted with grief i mean he had his friends betrayed him you know it ultimately all you know we talk about peter denying him uh you know and there's that's a whole nother story for for next year for the thing uh you know you talked about uh obviously judas that's the big one um <laughs> but uh you know so but then you also have all the apostles they all kind of turned their back on him during that time they all sort of left and ran away you know whenever he was arrested and stuff and that's for another topic next time, but there is a great yeah. quote. I, if I had to rank quotes now, just hear me out for a second. Okay. We're, we're there's some great, there's some great, great quotes out there in the church and Jeffrey right. R. Holland's got a majority of them, but I will say this, <laughs> I'll say this. It's not Jeffrey R. this time. All right. This is actually Gerald in Lund. He was a 70, a member of the 70. Let me see if it's got a date on it. 1992, I believe. Anyway, he says this, and this is about the whole restraint thing and the power that Jesus Christ held. We, he puts it in a way that you are ready. Jackson, you're going to love this. Here we go. All right, here we go, baby. All right. He says this. Gerald in Lund says this of that of that experience of him in the garden. They come to arrest him, right? Peter gets upset and wants to stop it. All right. Imagine a being or imagine the being whose power, whose light, whose glory holds the universe in order the being who speaks and solar systems galaxies and stars come into existence standing before wicked men and being judged by them as being of no worth or value when we think of what he could have done to these men who took him to judgment 
we have a new and different sense of his condensation, condes, condensation, condescension. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. Condescension. When Judas led the soldiers and the high priest to the garden of the Gethsemane and betrayed him with a kiss, Jesus could have spoken a single word and leveled the entire city of Jerusalem. That when the, yeah. we ain't got there yet. When, <laughs> listen to this. When oh, the, you ain't heard nothing yet. You ain't heard nothing yet. Come on, come on, Lund. Here we go. When the servant of the high priest stepped forward and slapped his face, Jesus could have lifted a finger and sent that man back to his original elements. <laughs> okay, we we we're we're getting there, but we're not there yet. Right? This is going down as the number one quote of all time. Listen, sure. I'm yeah. telling you, when another man stepped forward and spit in his face, Jesus had only to blink, and our entire solar system would have been annihilated. But he stood there, he endured, he suffered. He condescended. Um, I that's that blows wow. my mind. Wow. I mean, the power. That, we don't think about the power. We talk about that, the power. He's the Son of God. This and that. We don't understand. And not only did he have the power, he had access to that power. It wasn't like right. the, the, the. It wasn't like Heavenly Father said, "Let me cut your power right here during this time to help." No, he had full on power. That's what, I, 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 that, that, that's what I'm saying. That was the question for earlier. You know, how, yeah. how tempted was he to, oh. to do those things, right? Could to you just I mean, flick him like a flea or something? These people have no, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you see the depth of that now? Just from right. that quote? Wow. They have no idea what they're doing. They, they, they don't have a glimpse of what they're doing, of who he is, yeah. which he could never really fully say. You know what I mean? He, he remember all the times he healed people and he said, don't go tell anybody. I'm doing this out of mercy for you because I love you so much, but just don't get out there and tell the whole world right now. It ain't time for that yet. I've got to get things organized. I got to get things going. But of course people would run and say, and you know, right. things kind of took off. And, and, but anyway, it's just, that puts things that's in another one. perspective, yeah, another sure. perspective. And that's, uh, that's, Gerald N. Lund. Gerald, Gerald N. Lund. It's actually Doctrines of the Book of Mormon, the 1991 Sperry um, Symposium, uh, 1992, I guess was when it was written. Knowest Thou the Condescension of God is the name of it. Um, anyway, so wow. that's okay. where that came from. Very good. Mm. And that's the stuff we're looking forward to next podcast, next year. Uh, the New Testament? New Testament, right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's... It, it, you know, you hate to pick favorites, but boys, New Testament is awesome. That's just yeah. a plug for next. Keep same. on watching. Yeah, yeah. same <laughs> here. Same here. I do before before we uh, move on further. I do want to mention um, the the last verse of chapter fifty. Um, do y'all ever just get hung up on a on a single verse? It just mm -hmm. it hits you so hard. You just just get bogged down in it. For, yeah, yeah, for hours. So verse eleven did that to me. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. And for some reason, that, that really, really got me. I looked at, um, you know, so what does that mean? So I did. I went to uh, BibleHub.com. And there are some, you know, they, they 
have resources for lots of different Bible commentaries mm. and things. And uh, so this is from Ellicott's commentary says um, all ye that kindle a fire, the words obviously point to any human substitute for the divine light and thus include two meanings, which commentators have given them one man's fiery wrath that worketh not the righteousness of God. And two man's attempt to rest in earthly comforts or enjoyments instead of in the light and joy that comes from God. And then the line that compass yourselves about with sparks. The words are rendered by many commentators. Gird yourselves with burning darts, firebrands, or with calumnies and (laughs) execrations as your weapons of warfare. And then you shall lie down in sorrow. The words point to a death of anguish, perhaps to the torment that follows death as the outcome of the substitution of the earthly for the heavenly light. And there is one more thing. This is really cool. This is from McLaren's exposition. He said, this scene brought before us in these words is that of a company of belated travelers in some desert, lighting a little fire that glimmers ineffectual in the darkness of the eerie waste. They huddle round its dying embers for a little warmth and company, and they hope it will scare wolf and jackal, but their fuel is all burned, and they have to go to sleep without its solace and security. The prophet's imaginative picture is painted from life and is a sad reality in the cases of all who seek to warm themselves at any fire that they kindle for themselves apart from God. And that really, that hit me right there. That's, that's what this verse is. This verse, there's, to me, I, you could go on for hours and hours about this, this single verse. This is basically, this is, this is what happens. Anytime we try to, to, to warm ourselves, to, to bring light to our lives, to do anything outside of the light that comes from Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's nothing. Fleeting. It's, it's fleeting. Yes. It's the, yeah. you know, it's so, yeah, this is something in you know, like the, I love the example of the, you know, the, the weary travelers, you know, gathering around a little fire, man, I like have the little tiny little fire <laughs> yeah. going to try to scare away the wolves, you know, so they can right. sleep and then the fire goes out. They're like, Oh man, man, this yep. is going to be a long night. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's what life is. That's what life is when you try to live outside of the light of God. It's yeah, that it really hit me. I thought it was a really, really cool verse. Yeah. yeah you, you shall lie down in sorrow. Yeah. 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 It's not going to last. Yeah. That's right. I like that. Very good. Y'all got any, uh, anything else? The only thing I would put on the end is if you really want to read some in depth, um, what's the word? Um, literature about the uh crucifixion you can go to you know james e talman's jesus the christ uh as a matter of fact it's it's, uh somewhere around page 600 or so i can't remember i was looking but anyway i'm not going to get into it here but if you want to know even know according to james talmage how christ actually uh lost his life uh the the reason uh, he even goes into detail about that. Um, you know, the actual thing that actually caused him to basically stop breathing, stop living. Um, um, so it, it, very interesting, very interesting and very, uh, so this is a little graphic, uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. That's, that's what it was. Uh, but the only thing I'll, I'll repeat what I said last time, Jesus suffered at the hands of experts in causing pain and, uh, humiliation 
And, and so these were experts that knew exactly what they were doing, exactly where to pr- place thorns and place nails and, and to where to whip and, and how to keep you alive with, or to, to keep the most suffering, the way that you hang on the cross, the posture that you're in, the mm-hmm. everything. It's, it's unreal, the, the things you can read about. Um, but as it says in Doctrine and Covenants, you know, Jesus Christ himself said a little bit about it. He, he said it caused him, even a God, to tremble. Because of the, the, the pain, I, that's something, right. you know, this is the resurrected yeah. savior saying this later on in, in, in Dr. Covenant saying that it, it must've been, if he says that, that, wow. And he's saying that we, if we'll just repent now and do our absolute best and repent daily, we won't have to suffer that way. We won't have to suffer as he suffered. He did it for us, uh, into that capacity. Uh, and so, yeah anyway jesus the christ you, you know the man oh yeah that's another man when you talk about people like isaiah james talmage was an apostle and from what i gather from the background of jesus the christ he actually pretty much lived in the temple yeah, there was a room dedicated for him a room dedicated for him by the, the first presidency yeah, in the salt lake temple there to to get you know to to write this material and um anyway that's you, know, you can look into that anybody can look that up but uh uh you know do i feel like there's things in there when i read it um uh, you you don't find in the scriptures uh there's only one way he could have known these things and that was through some kind of obviously powerful inspiration or just honestly oh, just yeah. Just basically talking face to face with the Savior talks about how he grew up. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, little not ma- no, it's not like it's going to say, "Well, this was my best friend," and nothing like that. But yeah. there was things in there that you get that you go, "Wow, how did he? How did he get that?" There's only one way he got that. Right. And so you think about Isaiah, think about the brother Jared, you think about even modern day prophets and apostles that that know things. I, you know, I look at President Nelson. I think there's things that he knows right now that he has to bite his tongue. He can't tell us at this time, but it's yeah. coming. You know, as a matter of fact, just a little funny story. He told his wife, Wendy. He, so even his wife, Wendy Nelson, doesn't know everything. Obviously, she, she's done interviews where she talks about she doesn't know. She knows when the rest of the church knows when things comes out, because that's the way it's done. I mean, it, you know, it's confidential. Mm-hmm. It's, it's given at certain times, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she said that there was one instance where he came in from a meeting and I'm paraphrasing. You, you can look this up, though, the Wendy Nelson uh, something to the effect of he was very happy and excited about something new that's going to greatly affect the saints. Is the way, I believe the way she put it. It's going to greatly affect the saints. You know, it's going to be a great thing. And she's like, oh, great. When will we hear about it? He said, oh, in about 50 years or so. That's all he said. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like yeah. these guys are decades ahead on what needs to, the major things that need to be done. And I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine sitting in one of those meetings, the, 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 the 12 in the first presidency. I couldn't imagine. I don't know. I couldn't handle it. I would just, burn, oh, no, I would yeah, burn yeah. Up. I know. Yeah. Yeah. President Nelson, <laughs> man, like when, when he talks, he's, he's got that smile yeah. and that glimmer in his eye. It's just he like, know, and he's sitting he on knows things. Seat. You can I mean, tell, looking at this guy, man, that this dude knows things. Let me tell you something. He's 98 years old. I, it's the oldest, the oldest living Latter Day prophet. But the dude don't look a day past sixty-eight years yeah. old. I mean, let's just oh, yeah. be honest. I mean, yeah. 
he's sitting on the edge of a seat. He's standing. He's for, he's probably one of the one of the physically healthiest, I've most never, energetic of all the apostles. Yeah, a man thirty forty years younger than him. Yeah, absolutely. It blows my mind. I I feel like, and the Lord, you know, the Lord knows all things. I don't know anything, but I feel like he will live into his hundreds. I, I do. I feel that way now. Now that you know, he, he may because once they go downhill, they really go fast. It seems right. that way. I remember Gordon B. Hinckley. It seemed like one conference. It's Gordon B. Hinckley. And then the next conference, you go, whoa, he's looking rough. I mean, you know right, what I'm saying? It's just, right. it's just yeah. age. It, yeah. It's mortality. Uh, but, but man, the way that he is, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so this lesson, I definitely want to encourage our listeners to, to read the rest of this. There's lots of good stuff. There's, oh, man. The, the chapter heading. So it's really interesting to me the, uh, the, the contrast we talked about between the tone of, up to chapter 39 and then chapter 40 onward. You know, it's a very different tone. So chapter 55, the chapter heading says, come and drink. Salvation is free. The Lord will make an everlasting covenant with Israel. Seek the Lord while he is near. Chapter 56, all who keep the commandments will be exalted. Other people will join Israel. The Lord will gather others to the house of Israel. Chapter 57. When the righteous die, they enter into peace. Mercy is promised to the penitent. There is no peace for the wicked. So this is, man. <laughs> yeah, it's lots of good stuff. Good chapters for sure. Well, very good. Until next time, y'all keep on striving. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can do that through Instagram and Facebook at Saints in the South. Uh, a great place to join in the discussion would be our podcast group page on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter, Saints in the South, at Five Southern Saints. And then, of course, on YouTube, hit the like button, notification bell. And if you're not already, be sure and subscribe. And then finally, you can check us out through our website, saintsinthesouth.com, uh, where you can have access to all the podcast and uh, YouTube videos. And then we would love for you to take the opportunity and leave us a review and rating. Thanks again for all of your support, and we will see you next time.